Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. I'm one half of your host, Steven. And I'm the other half, Kyle. How's it going, Kyle? It's going good. Good. Uh, how was your weekend? It's good. Good. Got just hung out. Yeah. Hung out with you. You were there. Yeah, I was there almost all weekend. Yeah. It was pretty dope. Anyway, today episode, I've compiled a bunch of cryptid legends and encounters from here in good old Illinois. And we're going to talk about that after we get through all this business. So, that being said, you can find us at all social media platforms, your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Just uh, look up Hollow Sky Podcast and you'll find us. Or if you got a story to share, you can email it to us in text or you can call the hotline, which is one 800 hollow and leave us a voicemail. Or you can use your uh, voice memo app, record your story, and then shoot it over to the email, which is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. And if you are an Apple's iTunes listener... Make sure you hop over there and leave us a five-star rating and review because that would be awesome. Helps us become more visible in the podcast world. Uh, we've got two new ones. We'll sh- uh, Yeah, we'll shout you out if you leave us an awesome five-star review. So we got two new ones since our last episode, and they are from Darth Reven, who was waiting for Kyle to get abducted, interestingly enough. I probably already have. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you have. And the other one's from Janie Loves Drew. So thanks, guys, for hopping over there and leaving us the kind words and the five-star reviews. We appreciate it a lot. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So our listener encounter today is a Bigfoot story, which is fitting since I'm going to dive into this whole world of Illinois cryptids. So I'm going to go ahead and get into that. It is from David McFarland. This is David's encounter via email. My name is David McFarland. I had an encounter on 7-26-1973 in Eureka, California at Redwood Acres. It was about 9 o'clock in the morning. We were at the World Horseshoe Pitching Tournament. Nathan Williams and his sister were screaming about Bigfoot. Me and my father were inside the building and ran outside looking for what they saw. We ran into the middle of the field, and the creature came from behind us and walked right past us. It was about 30 feet from us. My heart felt like it dropped out of my chest. didn't even act like it saw us. We watched it walk through the field... And it was a big field. The total total encounter probably lasted five minutes. When it got close to the end of the field, right before the woods, it turned and looked right at us, then continued walking on its way. This Bigfoot looked identical to Patty in the Patterson-Gimlin film. It was female and had a ridge of hair over her eyes that looked like it was cut with a pair of scissors. She was about 8 feet tall and probably 400 pounds. I was 11 years old when I had this experience. My friend Nathan Williams remembers it. He was a little younger than me. I was looking at the map and I noticed the Patterson film site and Redwood Acres was a part of the same patch of woods only about 40 miles apart. So that's David's encounter. Thank you for uh, emailing that in, David. Very interesting. And a lot of good, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like attention to detail? Yeah, definitely. I thought it was cool that he said that she had bangs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and they were cut straight across. Yeah, and the fact that he did a little bit of research on his own and saw that it was so close to the Patterson-Gimlin film and that the uh, creature was also female. If you haven't seen the Patterson-Gimlin film, look it up. Probably the best piece of Bigfoot evidence out there. At least one of the the better pieces. 
yeah, and the fact that it was recorded so many years ago, I feel like it had to be pretty hard to fake footage of that caliber, right? so to speak. So, yeah, I mean, that very well could have been the same creature. 40 miles, it seems like a long way to go, but when it's through the forest, like, we don't have any idea how big of an area these creatures even cover. You know, right. 40 miles might not be anything to them. It's probably not anything to them because they, you would assume that they're on the move relatively frequent. Yeah, foraging and trying to stay out of the way of people. But this one, like you said, that it didn't even act like it noticed them. <clears throat> Being at the World Horseshoe Tossing Contest, there's probably a ton of people around. Right. Maybe she was just interested in getting the hell out of there. That'd be my guess. Yeah, so again, thank you, David, for your uh, submission. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, definitely interesting. All right, Kyle. So for today's topic, I gathered a whole bunch of cryptid encounters from the state of Illinois. Yeah, I didn't realize there was that many different cryptids in Illinois. Oh, yeah, dog. It's crazy. And some of them are probably closer to home than I like to think about. Right. So it's pretty interesting. But I'm going to start with a little local legend to our uh podcast home base something we've all heard about we've all seen and that is the old paisal bird anyone that's ever driven up and down the river road anyone's that even if you haven't been here and you come through illinois around the alton area take the river road north from alton headed toward grafton and you'll see this big it's a painting which was a petroglyph at one time in a different area of the description of the paisal bird it's awesome. I'll post a picture it of it on our social cool. medias. I probably already have, but I'll do it again. But we're going to start with that. So, according to AltonWeb.com, the Paisal Bird is a local legend in the Alton area. Its foundings go back to 1673 when Father Jacques Marquette, in recording his famous journey down the Mississippi River with Lois Juliet, described the Paisal as a bird-like monster painted high on the bluffs along the Mississippi River, where the city of Alton, Illinois, now stands. According to the diary, the Paisal was as large as a calf with horns like a deer, red eyes, a beard like a tiger's, a face like a man, the body covered with green, red, black scales, and a tail so long it passes around its body over the head and between the legs. The creature was given its name by the Illini Indians, the Paisal meaning a bird that devours men. So. That's ominous. Yeah. I've read legends where... Um, there was multiple paintings of this bird back then. They'd seen more than one, but I don't know where it is. Like the other version of the painting? Yeah, like where the bird is now is not the original spot it was. If you travel north maybe a mile, a little more, there's another big indentation in the limestone bluffs where supposedly one of the original petroglyphs were. And a wooden painting of it sat there for the longest time. Well, I'd read that there were, when uh, Marquette traveled down the Mississippi, he seen two of these big paintings that the Indians had put on the limestone. Dude, imagine how crazy that would be. You're in a new world, essentially, and you're going down a river, and you look over, and you just see a giant, scary bird painted on the side of a of a cliff, almost like a, like a warning. Yeah, like, get the hell out of here. Right. And... The, the the folklore goes that it used to carry off uh, Indian braves, like in its in its claws and shit. <laughs> so my question is, what in the world 
or the Native Americans seeing that they put together like this is what we saw, you know? Right. Like a combination of all these crazy animals. Like this is what's carrying our guys off. That's so weird. I mean, because it, like the the merging of animals, it's like it, it's like it touches on almost like Greek mythology, you know, just them otherworldly beasts, and, and then it, I don't know, like it mixes Thunderbird into it, and you know, like because Native Americans, if they saw a buffalo, they painted a buffalo. Right. If they saw an eagle, they painted an eagle. To combine all that stuff, was it like a myth and a legend like we have now? that they were just putting out there to scare their kids or to, you know, make, make their braves more brave. Like you have to go off into the bluffs for five days by yourself and you got to look out for this thing. Yeah. Anyway, the reason I touched on the Pisaw bird is because I'm going to use that to lap into Thunderbird sightings in Illinois. That's what I was going to ask is if the Pisaw bird is essentially another representation of Thunderbirds. We do not know. So, um, a modern-day flap of Thunderbird sightings began in April 1948, according to Lorne Coleman in his book, Curious Encounters. On April 4th, a former Army colonel named Walter F. Siegmund revealed that he had seen a gigantic bird in the sky above Alton. Interestingly enough, right where the Piasaw bird was supposedly located. He had been talking with a local farmer and Colonel Ralph Jackson, the head of the Western Military Academy at the time. I thought there was something wrong with my eyesight, he said, but it was definitely a bird, not a glider or a jet plane. It appeared to be flying northeast. From the movements of the object and its size, I figured it could only be a bird of tremendous size. A few days later, a farmer named Robert Price from Caledonia would see the same or a similar bird. He called it a monster bird bigger than an airplane. On April 10th, another sighting would take place, this time in Overland. A huge bird was spotted by Mr. Miss, Mr. and Mrs. Clyde Smith and Les Bacon. They said they thought the creature was an airplane until it started to flap its wings furiously. On April 24th, the bird was back in Alton. It was sighted by E.M. Coleman and his son James. It was an enormous, incredible thing with a body that looked like a naval torpedo, Coleman recalled. It was flying about 500 feet and cast a shadow the same size as a Piper Cub at that height. Then on May 5th, the bird was sighted for the last time in Alton. A man named Arthur Davidson called the police that evening to report the bird flying above the city. Later on that same night, Miss William Stallings of St. Louis informed the authorities that she had also seen it. It was bright, about as big as a house, she said. The number of sightings then followed into the, into the St. Louis area, but ironically, just when the public excitement over the bird reached its peak, the sightings came to an end. So you'd imagine... Seeing what you think is a plane, and then all of a sudden it starts flapping its wings. Right. It would be nuts. That would be horrifying. Yeah, so that had to be a huge, It'd huge... make you feel like you're you're living in Jurassic Park. <laughs> it would be awful. You know? Because that thing could easily pick you up and carry you away and have you as dinner. Sightings of strange birds have not ended in Illinois and, in fact, continue to this day. Um... According to Troy Taylor, one of the most exciting and frightening Illinois encounters occurred in 1977 in Lawndale, a small town in Logan County. On the evening of July 25th, two giant birds appeared in the sky above Lawndale. The birds were reported several times as they circled and swooped in the sky. Finally, they headed straight down and reportedly attacked three boys who were playing in the backyard of Ruth and Jake Lowe. 
One of the birds grabbed the shirt of 10-year-old Marlon Lowe and snagged its talons into the cloth. The boy tried in vain to fight the bird off and cried loudly for help. The boy's cries brought Marlon's mother running outside. She later reported that she had seen the bird actually lift the boy from the ground into the air. She screamed loudly, and the bird released the child. It it carried him at at a height of about three feet for a distance of about 40. She was sure that if she had not came outside, the bird would have been able to carry the boy off. Luckily, although scratched and badly frightened, Marlon was not seriously injured. Four other adults appeared on the scene within seconds of the attack. They described the birds as being black in color with bands of white around their neck. They had long curved beaks and a wingspan of at least 10 feet. Two birds were last seen flying towards some trees near Kickapoo Creek. Think of how big that bird would have been to pick a boy up. Yeah. Save um, the boy. They said he was 10 years old, so he's probably Maddie's size, my youngest boy, probably 60, 70 pounds. Yeah. Now, with the wingspan of only 10 feet, isn't there owls that get close to that? I'm, I don't know about owls, but I know there, there have to be some birds, like condors and shit. Yeah. But, I mean, they're not native around here. Now, the only the only thing, and I, I do love a story, but the only problem I see with this story in particular is when the boy supposedly got picked up. Yeah. Because what are the odds that this animal swoops down to pick him up and it uses its claws? You know, these birds of predation they all have gnarly claws and when they sink their claws into something they sink them in what are the odds that it misses every bit of flesh and only grabs his shirt well it said he's got scratches right but he said he's scratched and badly frightened you would i don't know you just think you'd unless unless he got that lucky yeah maybe the other kids started screaming and freaked the bird out it's possible um, the second version of the event also says that the parents uh, said the bird most closely resembled an Andean condor, a black vulture-like species with a wingspan of around 10 feet. Species, however, is not native to North America. There is a smaller version called the California condor, which was once widely distributed across North America, but by 1977 was virtually extinct Uh pretty much everywhere except California. They also said the condor's feet are incapable of lifting and transporting anything as heavy as a 10-year-old boy. So that rules that bird out. Yeah. Um, Three days later, a McLean County farmer spotted a bird of the same size and description flying over his farm. He, his wife, and several friends were watching radio-controlled airplanes when the bird flew close to the models. He claimed the bird had a wingspan of, again, at least 10 feet across and dwarfed the small planes that buzzed close to it. The next sighting took place near Bloomington when a mail truck driver named James Mangers spotted the two birds. He was driving from Armington to Delavan when he saw them alongside of the highway. One of the birds dropped down into a field and snatched up a small animal. He believed the two birds to be condors, but with 8 to 10 foot wingspans. On July 28th, Lisa Montgomery of Tremont was washing her car when she looked up and saw a giant bird crossing the sky overhead. At 2 a.m. on Saturday, July 30th, Dennis Turner and several friends from 
Downs reported a monstrous bird perched on a telephone pole. Turner claimed that the bird dropped something near the base of the pole. When police officers investigated the sighting, they found a huge rat near the spot. Reports of giant birds continued to come in from Bloomington and north central Illinois, then finally further south from Decatur to Macon to Sullivan. On July 30th, the same day the birds were reported near Bloomington, a writer and construction worker named Texas John Huffer filmed two large birds while fishing at Lake Shelbyville. Huffer was a resident of Tuscola and was spending the day with the sun when they both spotted the giant birds roosting in a tree. Huffer frightened the birds with his boat horn, and when they took flight, he managed to shoot over 100 feet of film. He sold a portion of the footage to a television station in Champaign for a newscast. Huffer said that the largest bird had a wingspan of over 12 feet. After the footage aired, experts were quickly to dismiss Huffer's claim, along with the reports of everyone else's who had seen the birds. Officials from the Department of Conservation insisted they were merely turkey vultures, not surprisingly, these claims were refuted by wildlife experts and cryptozoologists who stated that no turkey vultures were the size reported by the witnesses. The largest flying bird in North America, the California condor, has a wingspan of 9 feet. Condor is also an endangered species list and restricted to few areas in California. There's little chance that a few stray birds traveled to Illinois to attack small children. Another tale related by Lauren Coleman involved the killing of a giant bird in December of 1977. Strangely, this event took place near Lawndale. Apparently, a woman was on her way to work one morning when she saw something that looked like a man standing in the road with something over its arm. The woman collapsed and was hospitalized, but later recovered. A group of man, men, after hearing this report, went to the spot and killed a large bird, then burned the body. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, why would you do that? I have no idea. The story was kept under wraps for some time in fear of ridicule. Well, that would be why, because... You got rid of every shred of evidence that was there. Yeah. <sighs> you know, and I mean, and I I don't want to discredit any of this. I really don't because there have been some insane reports of Thunderbirds in Illinois that truly have. But with that being said, I can also see, now say somebody saw a turkey vulture, which are pretty prominent in Illinois. I mean, I see them all the time. Yeah. But imagine seeing that bird for the first time in your life. You might think that bird is huge, especially if it's flying. Because, you know, I'd be at work and I'll see a shadow cross across the ground. And, I mean, the shadow looks huge. Then you look up and you see a turkey vulture flying. You know? Now, that doesn't account for a 10-foot wingspan, mind you. But, once again, you see it for the first time in your life. You might over-exaggerate things slightly. Still not big enough to pick up a kid. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> and the thing that got me why I wanted to dive into this outside of the Pisol bird legend is that we've had people contact us with Thunderbirds. these giant bird sightings. Right. So, there's, there, I mean, where there's smoke. Right. You know? And, I mean, it's been a part of the lore in Illinois for, especially the Alton area, since the Pisol bird, for a long, long time. Yeah, and now... You have consistent sightings. And, I mean, just from the Lawndale area, the fact that there were so many sightings of specifically two birds within that short period of time all across, you know, from Lawndale up to all those other those other towns and cities, like, was it something huge just passing through, you know? It's possible. That's the only thing I can account for was maybe it's something not native to Illinois passing through Illinois. It, it, did, did it give a specific time of the year 
or anything like that. Uh, I don't quite remember. The only reason why I ask is because it was in late summer, July twenty fifth. So when would birds start to migrate? I mean, I, I guess well, I forget different I types of birds. I don't even know. Different types. Of, I feel like different types of birds migrate at different rates, you know. But maybe it was something like that, or maybe, maybe in its original habitat, things started getting a little scarce as far as food, or maybe competition stepped up in the area. Yeah, you know. Or it could have been something that lived here that we just don't know about. Something that That's we true. thought was extinct. Um, I did a little further research, and it said that the boy weighed fifty six pounds at the time that the bird attack attacked him. Um, in a statement to the police, Ruth, the boy's mother, described the bird as it had a white ring around its half-foot neck. The rest of the body was very black. The bird's bill was six inches in length and hooked at the end. The claws and the feet were arranged with three front and one in the back. Each wing, less the body, was four feet at the very least. The entire length of the bird's body, from beak to tail feather, was approximately four and one-half feet. It just doesn't... I'm trying to compare it to my youngest boy, which Maddie's a little bit bigger than 56 pounds. But, yeah, I mean, the bird's body size, you wouldn't think would be, I don't know. So it'd be. You look at eagles flying around and, like, yeah. picking up shit. I don't know. It's But, you know, like, my, my boy, he's he's three, getting ready to turn four, and he's probably just under 40 pounds. Yeah. So... It's, it'd be not, not much bigger yeah. than Gage, which I mean, if you think about it, you know your your typical owl has no problem picking up an eight to ten pound little dog. Yeah, that's true. You know, it'd pick them up. It'd pick them up without hesitation. That's true. So you, you know, you add a little more girth and a little more wingspan, and with a six inch beak, I mean, come on. And we don't know, like that. We don't know how muscular these birds are you know right it's pretty wild so if anybody if anybody has seen anything resembling these giant birds that hasn't called us yet please call us and let us know because i know there's been sightings in the area recently like within the last 20 years so get at us and we will gladly talk about it absolutely another one going off on a different (laughs) road here is still close to home, and this is not very far away at all, Kyle, near Bethalto, Bethalto, Illinois. Yeah, that's not far. No. So. That's like, what, a 20-minute drive? Yes. This is an article in the Alton Telegraph by Charlotte Stetson from 2008. That actually made the Telegraph. Yeah, I have a bunch of news articles that I pulled. Is when it was actually going on from the Telegraph too. I'll post them up on our social medias, and I will actually do it, Shauna. So, chill. <laughs> it starts out a barren Bethalto. A variety of wild animals have made the news in the Telegraph over the years, but one of the best tales is that of the Gooseville bear. A recent Our Past item mentioned Gooseville, and I thought it was in Macoupin County. Much to my surprise, Gooseville is in Madison County near Bethalto. When Illinois was the last frontier, so to speak, early writers described the lush forests and prairies in the Illinois Territory. Brink's History of Madison County, published in 1882, listed elk, bear, buffalo, wildcat, deer, and other small fauna that resided in Illinois before the white man came. Now we see plenty of deer and raccoons taking over our neighborhoods, possum are frequently roadkill, and suburbs overrun by rabbits and squirrels. 
They're not as interesting, however, as the tale of the Gooseville Bear. The Gooseville Bear caused a great uproar back in August 1949 when it appeared in the Bethalto area around Indian Creek. The discovery of a mangled calf prompted Bethalto Mayor Henry Gerdes, District Supervisor for the Illinois Conservation Department, to decide that a bear had done the damage since the calf's liver was missing and, quote, bears always eat a victim's liver first. A meeting was held in Bethalto to decide what to do about the varmint that was terrorizing the area about nine miles east of Bethalto. A posse of 150 men was put together and divided into teams to track down the beast. Indian Creek intersected Gooseville, and a search would extend about three miles north and south of Route 140. It was all set. Seven posses of men who were armed to the teeth with shotguns and rifles would converge at the Morrow Bridge and spread out from there. On August 10, 1949, the Alton Evening Telegraph reported, Fear of the bear has held Gooseville residents in the grip of night terror for three weeks, and children and livestock are guarded with extra precaution. Many residents said they'd heard fighting, or frightening screams and growls in the night. One resident claimed to have seen the wicked eyes of the beast of prey staring in the darkness near a garage. A state trooper claimed to have found the corpse of a creature that had the body of a hound and the head of a bear, offered to show it to interested people, but no one took him up on it. Many people didn't like, didn't take the tales too seriously. A Bethalto grocer had a sign in his window saying, Leave order for bear steaks here. The Canadian Fur Corps of New York offered $250 for the pelt. The hunts extended over several nights before the posse disbanded without a bear or a $250 pelt. An Alton farmer later claimed to have confronted the furry beast and fired at it, then hustled back to his home to call up reinforcements from the Madison County Sheriff's Department and Alton Police. The uproar calmed down, but the tale was resurrected occasionally through the years. So, that's our Gooseville Bear. I've pulled up some actual articles from the Telegraph of the time, like actually during August, that I can read. And I'll post them on our social medias here. Said they think the monster may be wounded is the title from the Alton Telegraph. Gooseville, Illinois, August 13th, 1949. The monster of Gooseville might be in a vengeful mood today. Ellie Switzer, a farmer living about 11 miles east of here, sighted the beast last night and shot at it and thought from the way the animal thrashed about that he might have wounded it. Switzer told police from nearby Alton that he was walking through his cornfield hunting for crows when he and his three hunting dogs began or when his three hunting dogs began growling. He followed them as they dashed through the corn and suddenly came upon an animal which he described as four feet long, two and a half feet high, and weighing about 100 pounds. Switzer fired several shots at the beast, but he retreated when he realized that he was armed only with a 22 caliber pistol. He alerted the Madison County Sheriff's Office, and Alton Police sent reinforcements to the scene. Tracks were found in the cornfield that both Switzer and officers said they were definitely bear tracks. The traps were scooped out of the ground and taken to the Alton Police Headquarters for further study. The monster had eluded a well-armed posse, which hunted it most of Wednesday night. The beast had killed the calf and terrorized the entire Gooseville area. So that's kind of cool that they even scooped up the tracks and took them into the Alton Police Department. Yeah, that is cool, but... Pump brakes. Um, that's not a very big bear. No, I wouldn't think so either. No, I mean, it. the description sounds more like... A wolf. A wolf, a large coyote, or some type of feline. <clears throat> the first thing I thought of was a wolf. Because they said, in another article that I read, they had a prominent... 
wolf tracker and hunter from Carrollton yeah. come and look into the Gooseville bear. He said that they were not, the tracks that they found were not wolf tracks. Interesting. So it kind of excludes That's that. Weird. But I know back in the day, wolves were pretty prominent around here. My uh, dad's grandpa, which would be my great grandpa, him and one of his friends, uh, his friends was a, was a wolf trapper, right? So they were out just south of Otterville. My yeah. my great grandpa had been seeing a wolf, so they set out a a wolf trap and they caught this wolf. The wolf had chewed through its leg, and they had the uh, trap tied to an old log that had fallen down, and it had drugged the log. They said they tracked him and tracked him almost all the way to Elsa Jesus. when they found the wolf dead. My dad said there's a picture of his grandpa, who was about six one, that had that wolf skin on a board, and it was taller than he was. Wow. So that's a big damn wolf. If I find it, yeah, I'll post it up there, that's too. That's awesome. So that could be responsible for all the the animals that were slaughtered. Well, and yeah, and there's now there's reports of wolves coming back. Yeah. You know, they're here in fielding, from what I've heard. And well, Yeah, my grandma says she's seen one right down the road from here. Yeah, my buddy's dad said he's seen one. So, I mean, it could... I'm almost leaning more toward a wolf than a bear with this with these particular sightings the only thing that throws me off is that the tracks don't match a wolf yeah and you keep hearing i heard one that said the tracks were four feet here's another news article that i'll share up that said the tracks are eight feet or not eight feet inches four inches and eight inches it said hunters caught no sight of the monster itself their sweep through the valley netted them two dead raccoons one dead possum and a whole bunch of chiggers (laughs) well People that say that have seen the animals say it was shaggy and brown and looked like a bear. That's so weird, especially if it's producing an eight-inch track. That's huge. That is big. That is huge. Like a four-inch, I'm still on the wolf team, you know, because that's still big. Don't get me wrong. It's big, but wolf tracks are relatively big. But you start going into eight inches, that's a monster. Yeah, that's, that's a big for... An animal, that's for sure. Actually, my little brother, he was, we do a lot of field walking and arrowhead hunting and stuff, and he was getting ready to head up to our spot, and he saw what he swears is a bear, a black bear, running along the fence line here probably three miles from my house. And it scared him so bad that he decided to turn around and not even mess with going into the woods. He swears by it. He swears it was a bear. I could see it because they... I know they're pushing up from the south, the black bears. And I think down, I could be wrong, don't quote me, but I think in far southern Illinois, there's black bear. Yeah, I know know there was one killed not too long ago. Hit by a car or something. I remember reading, but I'm not sure. And another thing it could possibly be, with big-ass feet, would be a mountain lion. Yeah. You know, that could easily slaughter slaughter calves and shit. Oh, yeah. And I know that they're they're kind of making their way through. They, hell, they may have been and then kind of dissipated. Oh, yeah, because... The one was killed in Chicago not too long ago. Yeah. By police officers. <clears throat> and then there's, there's also been reports, especially in our area, of panthers. Yeah, that's true, too. Because I've, my dad has seen panthers, his dad... 
you know, you go over to Calhoun and there's uh, a Panther Creek Road and a Panther Creek, and they all say it's not called Panther Creek for no reason. Yeah, that's crazy. They, I mean, there's so many, a lot of people have reported all black panthers over there. <laughs> Could very well be because they said, I mean, they said it was dark, it had shaggy hair. Yeah. I mean, I know panthers don't have shaggy hair, but it, Pathalto could have. It probably <laughs> did. Some of these I'm not going to dive very deep into because there's not a whole lot of information. And if I dig more into it, we could even do whole episodes on some of these. So this next one, not a bear, but something just as interesting. It's coming from Saline County, and that is the Tuttlebottoms Monster. It's been haunting the swampy area of the Saline River watershed for hundreds of years. Strange creature is not your typical swamp monster. It's not reptilian, but mammalian instead. The Tuttlebottoms monster is described as a gigantic, some say at least eight feet long. His most distinct feature is a long snout like that of an anteater. Some report that the beast is bipedal, while others report it walking on all fours. The animal is said to somewhat resemble a bear, as a hulking, bristly, furry beast. Although the word monster is in its name, there are no reports of attack. In fact, the creature seems to innocuously go about its business when spotted instead of running away. The lack of fear of humans is mentioned in almost every report of the Tuttlebottoms monster. The creature is legendary in Illinois, with many frantic reports coming from the area. Over the course of 28 years, police chief of Saline County recalled personally receiving over 50 reports of the strange animal. Some conspiracy theorists believe the creature was crafted by scientists working for the government, then intentionally released into the area. Others believe the Tuttlebottom monster may actually be a relicit population of prehistoric anteater species. I love the the conspiracy theory one. Of course the government did. It's awesome. Why would... (laughs) Well, I mean... There's no apparently there's nothing nefarious about this creature at all. It's just just hanging out. Yeah, it's just hanging swamp. out doing its thing. Probably just eating. And everybody's like, the government made it. The government made it. It's here to to be nefarious. <laughs> He's probably just eating freaking termites, hanging yeah. out. And if, if that's the case, it doesn't matter what he looks like. Just let him be. If he's just OG chilling over there in the bushes, just, <laughs> just let him. Just let him be. But it's. I mean. <laughs> 50 reports That's in 28 years of the same unknown animal in the same region is a lot. Somebody's seeing something. I don't know if they're getting it mixed up. Like, like the long nose could almost be mistaken for those, what are those big-ass birds that are all over the fucking place? You know what I'm talking about? Like those whooping cranes? Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be eight feet tall and covered in fur. No. It almost makes me, like, your the description of it, Without looking at the picture and minus the snout, it makes me think of like a giant groundhog. Like how it was just, just, just kind of like bebop. Like it sees you, it's like, oh, whatever, dude. I'm just going to go over this way. <laughs> and then when I thought some people said it looked like a bear, then I'm like, man, I wonder how close Saline County is to Bethalto. I have no idea. I don't even know where Saline County is. Me either. I would assume that it's not around here, but no, I could be wrong. So that's the Tuttle Bottoms monster I thought was pretty cool. Not a whole lot of information on it, but the fact that a giant anteater is just trekking around the swamp, I thought you guys would think that was pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the, the friendlier things in Illinois, especially being cryptid. Yeah, he's just a little guy just chilling out. 
Next, what else do we got here? I'm surprised Chicago didn't make this list. There's a lot of well, Chicago. No, I'm just talking about Chicago in general. Oh, it's just being one big cryptid? Yeah. That's pretty creepy. One that just rips it in Illinois apart. <laughs> <laughs> That's a monster of a different sort. <laughs> there are a ton. There's some of them that kind of swoop back and forth. Like, it might be the same creature, which I'll get into here in a minute, but I wanted to do this one real quick. Not a whole lot of information on this guy, but it's called the Stump Pond Serpent. Since we hadn't done any water creatures yet, thought I'd get this one from Perry County. Between 1879 and 1968, fishermen in Perry County spun yarns about a serpent that dwelled in the murky waters of Stump Pond. The creature was described as having a thick green body with black fins. It was large enough to rock boats when it swam by. The lake was partially drained in 1968, and locals discovered multiple catfish that weighed around 30 pounds. So, could it have been a big catfish, or was it a swamp monster living in it? The description reminded me of, like, a, like instantly, a giant bass. <laughs> Which I was going to bring up, the giant catfish, because there's, there's been reports of, it may be exaggeration, but there have been reports of catfish the size of cars in At the, the, Mississippi, yeah, yeah. the Mississippi River. I read that too. But, need I remind you, this is why I don't go into the water. Yeah, Kyle's got a thing about dark water. Nope, because I I wholly feel like in every dark body of water... There's, it's full of aliens. There's probably a giant squid waiting to drag you down to the bottom. Not aliens. I can be in two feet of dark water, and I start getting anxious. <laughs> Is ridiculous. I just think that like river water is filthy. Well, yeah, and it's not a place where I want to go swimming. No, oh, I feel like there's like dead bodies and old needles, and it's just gross. And giant squid. And well, that's not my first. Fear. And there have been reports of sharks in the Mississippi River right by Alton. Yeah, yeah. I guess that could be considered so, kind of a cryptid. They did catch a shark. Take that how you want. I'm not getting in the water. In Alton. Well, now they're finding jellyfish. We were just talking about that. Freshwater jellyfish. Yeah, not just Mississippi, found in Litchfield. but... Yeah, in Litchfield. That could be a cryptid, too. I didn't even think about adding them, like things that are known that aren't supposed to be here. Yeah. Like alien big cat. <laughs> Nailed it. Anyway, I pulled up an article from the Chillicothe Times Bulletin that has a whole bunch of interesting encounters. I'm going to read a couple of these. It was written by, does it say, Phil Luciano. Chillicothe Times Bulletin. We have the Springdale Pterodactyl, which kind of takes us back to large bird sightings, but yep. it's not a bird. In 2013, a reader swore to me that he'd seen a pterodactyl swooping over Springdale Cemetery. During lunch hour one weekday while driving past the graveyard, he saw a tremendous pair of wings soaring above the mausoleum. He said other drivers were looking and pointing to the same place in the sky, but he apparently was the only one to pull a U-turn and speed to Springdale. Nailed it. To me, he or to me, he described the bird as black and prehistoric with a wingspan of at least thirty feet. That's fucking big. Jesus. It looked like a pterodactyl, but not with such a bony nose. Also, one other thing, he said it looked like it was hunting. That's weird. That that's a strange description. He swore he wasn't drinking or otherwise uh addled. So I accompanied him to the graveyard for a look for the very big bird. The search came up empty until I wrote about the misadventure. Readers delu or deluged me 
with story after story about seeing big a big mystery bird at Springdale and elsewhere in the area. Here are some other sightings. At the lagoon in Glen Oak Park, a pterodactylish bird was spotted. The bird did not seem to be afraid of people, the reader said. Off Alta Lane, a bird as tall as a man stopped to look at a homeowner's koi pond. Its wingspan was perhaps 30 feet. Flew off without incident. Above Proctor Hospital, a huge prehistoric bird flew as high as airplanes, a reader said. She added, I didn't report it because who would believe me? Touche. Behind the journal star, always rife with strange beings, a bizarre bird appeared near the train tracks. It was bigger than an eagle, a reader said, and it looked like a gargoyle. Meanwhile, over the years, I've received smatterings of reports of pterodactyls at Springdale. Supposedly, it barks like a dog and nests in a remote area. I've searched the spot, but I've found no signs of a prehistoric bird. Tear in the skies, bro. Yeah. The the descriptions are pretty on point. I mean, describing an over 30-foot wingspan. That's huge. That is ridiculous. The only thing that throws me off is like when they say it's as tall as a man. Like, that's, say he's six foot. The body's six foot, but the wingspan's 30. That yeah, it's, almost it's seems weird. Misproportionate to me. You know yeah. what I mean? But, I don't know. I'm sorry once again, but that first story was great because <laughs> it, like, he's like, the, I wasn't drunk. Yes, yes. When you go out of the way to go, dude, I'm not drunk. I'm not saying that you were drunk, but that means that people know you. People think you might be drunk. As the drunk. That <laughs> <laughs> was just right. funny. We're going to go <laughs> from there. We're going to go into some two-legged beasts of the Bigfoot-ish type. So first, these all these three here kind of run into one another. They could very possibly be the same creature just migrating through but it's not confirmed so i'm going to try to do this in chronological order of when they were seen and where so bear with me first we have the farmer city monster with its hulking shape and bright yellow eyes the farmer city monster was one of the oddest creatures to lumber across illinois during the summer of 1970 This beast was more credible than most since eyewitnesses included a farmer city police officer tasked with tracking it down. Sightings began in early July when three teens encountered it at a campsite in a field near Salt Creek and spread to Bloomington, Hayworth, and Waynesville. Everyone who saw it noticed noted its glowing eyes, but it was not aggressive. At each encounter, the farmer city monster fled as soon as it had been spotted. It was last seen on August 16th in 1970 when it ran across the road in front of a truck near Waynesville. From there, sightings of the Coal Hollow Road monster started to pop up. The Coal Hollow Road monster is a tall ape-like creature with long hair and three-toed feet. Seven to eight feet tall, weighing over 200 pounds found in central Illinois. On May 25, 1972, two years after the Farmer City monster, in Pekin and Peoria, Illinois received over 200 reports of a white ape-like creature that left three-toed tracks and gave off a strong odor. The creature was first spotted near Coal Hollow Road and became known as the Coal Hollow Road Monster, or Cohomo, for short. Sightings of the monster lasted through July. These sightings eventually led to an organized search involving 100 volunteers. The search was then called off when one of the volunteers shot himself in the leg. Good job, buddy. 
the farm I want to say when I was looking into it the farmer city monster was also light in color that's why people are linking these these together gotcha so well then you have the 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 three toes as well yeah which is strange yeah because right out of the gate it almost makes it sound like Bigfoot but then you do three toes and you're like well wait a minute yeah from there we go a few one year later to the Murfreesboro mud monster that picture looks creepy yeah which is a large mysterious beast sighted midnight in 1973 when a young couple was parked by a desolate riverside for a romantic interlude. First things first, whenever you go to a lover's lane, terrible shit's always going to happen. If you want to see a cryptid, take your girlfriend to a lover's lane and just hang out because <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. So they went for a romantic interlude when they came face-to-face with a huge, wet, hairy, mud-slathered beast with a penchant for disturbing teenage lovers during... Two harrowing weeks of summer of 1973, the rural town of Murfreesboro, Illinois, became the epicenter of a terrifying series of encounters with a huge albino beast, again, light in color. Yep. Um, This story, by the way, is coming from cryptidsfandom.com. Just wanted to shout them out for doing all this research. Um, Albino beast, which would come to be known as the Murfreesboro Mud Monster or the Big Muddy Monster. The bizarre brute tormented the citizens of this small community were just tucked away in southern region of the state, southwestern region of the state, for approximately 14 days before its reign of terror abruptly ended, resulting in one of the strangest and in some ways most frightening cases in the history of Bigfoots. While there are some who suggest the first encounter of this creature came from an unnamed man who claimed to have seen it while gardening outside of his isolated Westwood Hills home before it developed into a neighborhood in the 1950s, most agree that the first official encounter with this beast occurred approximately midnight on July t- or on June 25th, 1973. The first known eyewitnesses were a young couple, Randy Needham and Judy Johnson, who were parked at the foot of 23rd Street in Riverside Park near the town's old boat ramp overlooking the Big Muddy River. Johnson's father had expressly forbidden his daughter from dating Needham, which is why the pair chose such an isolated location for their rendezvous. Uh, Johnson claimed they were listening to the radio, engaged in a debate about what, when they should leave, and presumably doing what couples want to do when they heard a piercing roar, which Needham compared to an eagle shrieking into a microphone. Uh, it seemed to emanate from the thick underbrush not far from his car. They shut off the radio, uh, and then they saw the creature whose very existence would tax the limits of their imagination. He wasted no time starting his car and shooting away. Um, An officer came to investigate the reports and found tracks that were 10 to 12 inches long and approximately three inches wide. I wonder if it said if it has three toes or not. That definitely has five toes. Yeah, I was going to say that, uh, that picture looks more like, your typical Bigfoot Bigfoot picture. So maybe it's not the same creature. It's just that the white hair I figured I would link like it's so weird in a cryptid world where Bigfoot is always dark in color. Yeah. You know what I mean? To have the this many light colored Well it doesn't make sense for Bigfoot encounters within the same general area. Well on a, on a geographical aspect it doesn't make sense for a creature that it would be all white would would be in this area for the most part you know what i mean yeah 
because I mean, sure we have winters, but we don't have mountains. It's not snowy all year long. Yeah. White is not a very good camouflage in this part of the country. After the police officers found the tracks, they also heard an inhuman cry. The next night, a young boy and two of his neighbors saw the creature when it wandered into their backyards. After a few weeks of intense scrutiny, intense scrutiny, the Murfreesboro mud monster disappeared as mysteriously as it had arrived. I think I found a part where a guy had been attacked somewhere in here. Let me check. By that big thing? Yeah, dog. That sucks. Oh, here we go. This account of the terrifying backyard encounter is uncannily similar to one that befell a young boy in Illinois named Greg Garrett just a few months earlier on April 25th, 1973. Garrett claimed to have been attacked while playing in his backyard by a truly bizarre... Oh, never mind. That leads into the next one. So, scratch that. Scratch that. (laughs) So, yeah. The Murfreesboro Mud Monster just disappears as it comes in. So... I put those three together. Like I said, I feel like they could easily be the same beast within that three-year period, just kind of moving itself down Mississippi or up the Mississippi, whichever direction that is. Oh, it definitely makes sense. How much time we got here? About 10 minutes. About 10 minutes. All but, right. I was going to say, because if you're fighting fighting the last uh, three stories there, it'd be like fighting Brock Lesnar. Yeah, the Brock Lesnar monster, as Maddox used to call it. Dang. <laughs> when we would talk about He's cryptids something. and I would show him pictures of Nessie, he'd be like, Dad, it's the Brock Lesnar monster. I'm like, dude, you're getting your WWE superstars and your cryptids confused, but I just let him roll with it. No way, that's the best combo ever. <laughs> um, We got a report of a giant snake from Champaign County, Illinois. On June 6, 1896, a farmer named Carl Smithen discovered a giant snake about 18 foot in length in his barn. It was in the process of swallowing the leg of his Jersey calf. Jesus. Holy shit. Evidently, the snake, which had been spotted by several other farmers, fled before Smithson could return with help. Posse was formed to search for the creature, but it's unknown whether they succeeded. Interestingly enough, when I was doing the Gooseville bear research, there was also talks of an East Alton, Illinois giant snake, but I could not find any information on it. Just... People referencing East Alton, Illinois giant snake. So if anybody out there listening to this knows of that, please call us and let us know. Email us. Same with the Gooseville Bear. If any of our listeners who were around back then remember these hunts and stuff, call us and let us know. Yeah, for sure. Because we'd love to know it. Um, For my last one, I'm going to go into this crazy encounter. I saved it for the end because it's just fucking bizarre. It's weird looking. Yeah. This comes from uh, Cryptozoology Cryptids at Fandom.com. So, during the early 70s. Man, 70s were fucking crazy. Yeah, but it was also the best year for cars. Well, all right. (laughs) If you had a dope car, you could just go park on Lover's Lane and see all this weird ass shit. If I had a well, I do have one, so I don't. I guess I can't. Anywho, during the late 1970s, something horrible stalked the small town of Enfield, Illinois. Although Illinois is already home to f- super crazy phenomenon such as thunderbirds, ding, and black panthers, something even stranger briefly haunted the people of this town. 
On April 25, 1973, Henry McDaniel was among the first to encounter this terrible aberration that came to become known as the Enfield Horror. About 9.30 that night, McDaniel and his wife returned home and was greeted by their two children, Lil and Henry. The kids proceeded to tell him a tale about how some thing had tried to get into the house by scratching on the door. Shortly thereafter, Henry was alerted to a peculiar scratching sound at the door. He expected to see a dog or a cat, but what he met instead was far stranger. What Henry found to his terror was a creature, and I quote, had three legs on it, a short body, two little short arms, two pink eyes as big as flashlights, and it stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish in color. It tried getting in our house, end quote. Henry was completely mortified by the sight of this horrible apparition. He slammed the door and rushed to grab his twenty-two pistol and a flashlight. Henry proceeded to fire at the creature four times, and according to him, quote, when I fired the first shot, I know I hit it, end quote. The beast hissed at him. Most sources say that it sounded rather like a wildcat and then proceeded to bound away in long leaps across the yard, eventually becoming lost to McDaniel's sight as it made its way toward the railroad and the cover of trees. He asserted that he had seen the thing cover 50 feet in three leaps. Stunned by the encounter, Henry proceeded to call the police. Upon investigation, state troopers discovered a series of scratches, scratches in the siding and footprints that were very similar to a dog, but having six toes instead of four. The two tracks were four inches wide, while the print left by the third foot was smaller. <laughs> what? <laughs> Fucking tripod. Jesus. <laughs> Many on the police force were skeptical about what McDaniel had seen, despite having just received news of an attack on a small boy just 30 minutes earlier. Dang. The creature had ripped the child's clothes with claws on its arms, while the talons on its toes had shredded the kid's shoes. However, the police couldn't find any trace of the ent entity, so things cooled down for the moment. However, on May 6th at 3 a.m., Henry encountered the creature again, after having been roused from his sleep by a commotion of his neighbor's dogs. Once again, he saw the creature loitering near the train tracks. This went on for several minutes until the entity casually bounced away into the night. McDaniel later said, quote, I saw something moving out on the r railroad tracks, and there it stood. I didn't shoot at it or anything. It just, or it started down the railroad track, and it wasn't in a hurry, end quote. Then, after word of the infield horror had gotten around, people began to flock to the small town in hopes of seeing the thing. They were very enthusiastic but they were also intrusive. This prompted a local sheriff, Roy Posture Jr., to warn McDaniel about keeping his mouth shut, or he'd be forced to incarcerate McDaniel. Over the next few months, the crowd began to grow larger. With larger crowds came an increased alarm among the citizens of Enfield. Some among them were genuine monster hunters, while others were just hunters or thrill-seekers with guns. This forced the sheriff's hands, particularly... He had to arrest five gun-toting hunters for shooting at a gray thing that ran through the woods. <laughs> Two of those hunters, Mike Mogul and Roger Tappy, both from Elwood, Indiana, both swore that they had witnessed a gray monkey quickly moving through the underbrush. Sheriff Posture made numerous threats against Henry McDaniel, which, it should be noted, had no effect whatsoever, who was convinced that there was something very strange going on. Shortly thereafter, once the frenzy of hunter and tourist died down, four more people saw the infield horror. The Rick Rainbow Encounter On Sunday, May 6th, Rick Rainbow then director of radio station WWKI in Kokomo, Indiana, was searching an area with three friends when they saw something around five and a half feet tall, gray, stooped over running through the woods near an abandoned house, which it was reported was near McDaniel's home. The entity moved with an unnatural speed and quickly vanished from the four men's sight. However, Rick Rainbow claimed to have recorded the creature's eerie shri sh 
shriek as it ran away from them on a tape recorder. Despite investigation by world-renowned cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, who is said to have heard the creature's cries, the attention that the sightings received eventually died down. The creature hasn't been seen since, and Lauren told the press, I've traveled to Enfield and interviewed witnesses, looked at the sighting of the house in Enfield, the Enfield monster damage, heard some strange screeching banshee-like sounds, and just walked away bewildered. Uh, the Mount Vernon creature. Between the years of 1941 and 1942, there was a string of similar sightings in a small village of Mount Vernon, which is ironically less than 40 miles from Enfield. These encounters involved a mysterious leaping beast that terrorized local people and is supposedly responsible for numerous animal deaths and mutilation in the region. The locals called the creature the Mount Vernon Monster and described it as being vaguely baboon-like in appearance and able to leap anywhere from 20 to 40 feet in a single bound. However, the creature is likened more to the devil monkey than the infield monster. It's a possibility that they were, in fact, the same creature. So I saved that one for the end because it's just fucking weird. It just reminds me of some Lovecraftian, bizarre <laughs> abomination. For, for no sure. And Henry, shame on you in the beginning of that story because he said the poor little creature was trying to break into his home. Dude, you opened the door to that thing. <laughs> Come on. That was, just, there's only one stupid person and it's you can you when imagine the, opening it and seeing that thing if something's clawing at your door your front door don't open the door look through a window it's got three legs and one of the legs apparently is smaller than the other yeah and six then, toes tiny then, little short arms big pink eyes yeah and on top of all that you grabbed a 22 to shoot it I with thought. Like, you shot it in the face with a 22 and he just ran away. He's like, whatever. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> no wonder why he came back. So me being me, I'm going to say that it's definitely an interdimensional being. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. It I crossed mean, over from another another dimension, another timeline, and it can't figure out how to get back. I, I can see it. That's my vote. I can see it. Or it's alien-related. Could be an alien. Alien-slash-government creation. Yeah. With the Tuttle Bottoms monster. Anyway, I just thought I'd put those together and give you guys some information on some of the weird shit going on in Illinois. Yeah, who would have thought that Illinois would be so crazy? There's a lot more out there, but like I said, it was hard to squeeze what I found into an hour anyway. Okay. That's why we didn't go into it very much. Before we end this episode, I've got to bring it up because I feel so confused. Why do people think that seeing a Black Panther in Illinois is so fucking weird? Because they're not... They're not. I guess it's the same as people finding a shark in Illinois. I mean, you know, yeah, it like don't happen all common. the time, but it's how not common? I don't fucking know. I don't know why you'd call it a crypto when it's real. It's just like out of it's place. Something that's, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like finding a giant ass snake. I like guess something you don't see in Illinois. You find an eighteen foot snake, yeah, you're but be you like, damn, that's it. crazy. You could believe it though. Yeah, I mean, they're not. They're not as crazy as like a Bigfoot. Right. But still, it's something. Or that thing, the yeah. infield monster. It's something you see, you're going to be like, that's probably not supposed to be there. See, I don't know that I'd think that. I'd just be like, holy shit. I had a buddy I grew up with. a big snake. Yeah, 18 foot? Well, yeah, I'd freak out, but I wouldn't be like, this is not supposed to be here. What is not? <laughs> I, what is? You're going to think, you're going to be like, that escaped from a zoo. That would be my first thought. Or some, well, yeah, or I mean, somebody yeah. that collected snakes got this big ass python. They're like, man, this shit's too big to take care of. I'm going to dump it in East Alton. That right there is totally believable to me. That could be the same thing with the, Bla with the Black Panther. 
Yeah, I mean, people do dumb shit. Well, there was the guy not too long ago in uh, Calhoun, weird, that he was illegally breeding wolves, and he let a bunch of wolves go because well, their cops were coming. There you go, Gooseville Wolf. Yeah, I mean, we solved one. When I was growing up, I had a buddy that hunted in Calhoun, which is the next county over. We'd go out on his grandparents' farm and traipse around through acres and acres of bluffs and woods, deer hunting and shit, and he swears, he swears he saw a black panther. And he, he would, a lot of he would put do. his name on it that he saw a black panther over there. Yeah, there's a lot of people that do say they see him. I don't want to see one. I don't know. I just don't Probably see... Probably kill me. I just don't see it falling in the cryptid category. That's just... I guess that's just how my brain works. I think cryptid is like... It paints a broad brush. When some people hear cryptid, they think creatures that don't exist, which kind of is a cryptid, like... Like, something that isn't proven by science. But yeah. when you hear, like, you almost have to broaden that a little bit wider. Because when you have an animal that does exist that's in an area that's not supposed to exist, it'd be like seeing a kangaroo here. You'd be like... I'm just saying it's weird. You'd be like, that's that's not, that's wrong. That's not supposed to be here. <laughs> it's a glitch in the Matrix. That's all it really is. Dude, I just See, thought of here this. here we go. I just thought of this. It has nothing to do with the Matrix. But I was riding the bus home one time, and I swear I saw an ostrich running across the field just out here east of town. I could totally believe it. And because I, I, I would have put, put a paycheck on it that I saw an ostrich. There's people that have llamas and shit. And I was like, I came home. I remember I was probably in eighth grade. I'm like, Mom, I saw, I saw an ostrich. If it wasn't ostrich, it was a big-ass bird running across the field. She, you not. That'd be so awesome. She said that she heard a story that someone had emus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of them got loose. Yeah, see? I was like, that was it. Yeah. That was it. Here I thought, like... Illinois is full of strange people. And... Weird creatures. stuff. Creatures. So, I hope you guys enjoyed this little thing I put together. I know sometimes we go on tangents about conspiracy theories and things get a little heavy, so but I thought I'd fun. just... Yeah, it is fun. I thought I'd put together this stuff and just kind of fill anyone who's not from Illinois in on what kind of crazy shit we got going on here. Don't move here. And yeah, but that has nothing to do with cryptids. Anyway, anyone that lives in Illinois and has had experiences with any kind of cryptid, please call us, email us, voice memo us and let us know your encounters because we love, we loved any kind of stories you guys sent us in, but we love when it hits close to home. For sure. It, get, it just kind of like, man, it's cool living in a weird place. Anyway, that being said, catch us at all of our social medias. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, holoskypodcast.com. If you've seen something creepy, call this number and tell us about it. Kyle, what is that number? one 877 Heck, you know what? Just give us a call and leave us a message. We'd like to hear from you anyways. Yeah, just call and talk to us about stuff. It ain't always got to be cryptid. It can or be alien conspiracy. Or conspiracy. Just call to say what's up. Yeah, tell us how Tell us how much you like the podcast or how much you don't. Maybe we'll just throw it on an episode. Why not? It'll be fun. It's cool. Just call us and talk to us. For sure. Speaking of which, we are setting up... Um, uh, we've been fiddling with taking interviews. So if anybody would like to schedule... Uh, they think they have a sighting good enough to like eat up a bunch of time and do an interview we think we've got it figured out to where we can do that email us give us a breakdown of what you've seen of what you've encountered of what you've been through and we will get a hold of you and we will gladly set up an interview and get people on here to talk about it yep so now that i've ate up all that time 
everybody out there stay safe keep your eyes open for creepy shit and let's get weird